0: So, what do you want to talk about this week, Wolf?
1: Mo Generator 128, uh, one behind the music.
0: You, can we have more than one behind the music episode?
1: I don't think there's a limit.
0: Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Will there be actual music? Is there a Mo Generator song?
1: You know, now now I think there would need to be one <laughs> one that goes with the little or the the little girl on the robot motif. I, yeah. I, I th- yeah. think some synth and maybe some shoegaze mixed together. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Okay. Well, you you got some con- some contributors. I'm sure someone could put something <laughs> together.
1: There you go. Uh so, first off that uh one so I released uh Mo 127 uh about basically like 2 years ago. So 128 was <laughs> a long time in the making. And that was So
0: by that by that count you know you'll get to 2.0 in like 50 years
1: <laughs> especially if i refuse to like actually just you know add a feature and then call it a 2.0 which is what <laughs> yes. what semantic version kind of encourages right that's but, true um yeah it's it's it was a it was a kind of confluence of stuff It's like 127 was in a really good place and so i started so mo generators uh, source code is basically all jammed into essentially one .m file and that was very much true to its form of being kind of a a, a hack I did in a night, a tool I wrote in a night that I then ended up pushing out and people contributed to. And so it's gone considerably more complicated since its early days. And so I started this branch called the monolith, like Monolith? Demonolithization. Wow, I can't say that.
0: But Demonolithization? Yeah, there you
1: go. Branch. Where I was, I pulled the classes out into separate things and was trying to do a better job of that, and and then I got in, in this weird place where I kept on getting like patches, but now those patches weren't going to be applicable anymore, and so I had like a, I kind of like developed a backlog, and then I wasn't sure what to do, and I would need to like rewrite their patches to to work with this stuff, and so ah, it was seeing so the hard lesson I you learned, get
0: yourself into more trouble,
1: yeah, yeah. So the hard lesson I learned and that is that don't go off into the woods and make sweeping code base changes on an actively uh, actively developed open source project because it just you you can't do both at the same time and so i just so I'm, I still want to make changes like this. Unfortunately, I still have some backlog of patches, and I may never, I may never actually clear the entire backlog because it's like a leaky bucket. It seems to keep on. Well, I guess maybe the opposite of a leaky bucket, whatever that would be. It seems like I, as I'm, as I'm. Oh, maybe it's, I know the analogy is a boat in the rain, right? So I'm bailing water, but it keeps on filling up. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important. To get my analogy. So print.
0: wait, does that mean your project is sinking?
1: Uh, it was definitely sinking there for maybe a year, and you know, people people would like bump me on GitHub, like, "Hey, would you like to actually release the new version mode generator?" <laughs> and they, you know, to their credit, you know, they were very nice about it, considering it almost seemed like the project was abandoned. In fact, other people were like saying, "Is it abandoned?" Mm-hmm. Um, no, it wasn't abandoned. It, was, it was so there was that, and also I've been traveling extensively. I don't think we called it out on uh, on our episodes but a, a lot of our episodes over the past six months were me like you know it sounds bad but phoning it in uh from you know, a hotel or airbnb or something like that i did a lot of time on the road on um, both on the east coast and west coast so
0: kind of tired of packing and unpacking <laughs>
1: I don't think they're going to get the WKRP reference. No, I,
0: I don't think they are. Okay.
1: Actually, one of the places... Uh, I was in Cincinnati, <laughs> but I don't think I actually called in from there. So that would have really worked well. Uh, but
0: Yeah. Johnny Fever.
1: <laughs> Man, we all should live up to that. But... So... Um, a weird thing about... Um, so this is basically stuff that was in the release notes. So I encourage you to go read the release notes, the change log, Because I put a ignorant inordinate amount of time in those um i kind of strive for like the bb edit c- caliber of release notes and man those take a long time because i want to like link ev- i want to you know every pull request i get in i want to kind of summarize in a sentence and give credit to it and link to it and, and is it new is it a change is it a fix blah, blah blah so i put a lot of time in that and actually that's it's it's not it's really it's long term good for me because I often myself go back and like, What's the difference between 125 and, 126? and right. I look at my yeah. own change log mm-hmm. and really knowing that the change log is of really succinct good quality that helps me in the future, so it's it's definitely worth the price.
0: It's adding comments I, like adding comments on a code base yeah
1: oh uh, are you on in the pro comments side
0: of adding comments to to code, yeah, oh, I mean, I don't tend to overdo it when I first write the code, well, sometimes I do. But, I'll, you know, like four months later or three months or even two months later, when I have to look at it again and I realize I've forgotten what the heck I just did. Oh, sure. That's when I add the comment. Hmm.
1: I so. think you still might be more commenty than I am, but uh, yeah. then we might have to fight about this in a future episode. But I'll continue on on my topic. Um, so one of the things that kind of held me back is that uh, the for Core data ever basically ever since they introduced uh, ordered relationship support – it's been effectively broken. Like the generate code that Apple gave you from Xcode would <laughs> throw an exception if you actually try to use it. Yeah. And when I had a support for order relationships in Mo Generator, I figured, oh, Apple knows how to write their own code. I will use their template as my template. And that didn't work. And so uh, I think this broken behavior goes back to maybe 2010 or 2011. I'm not quite sure. I didn't want to spend the time to actually look it up. But Daniel Tall, who has been a great contributor to MoGenerator, has added a lot of functionality, a lot of good stuff to MoGenerator. Uh, back in 2012, he offered a patch that that added order relationship support back in. And um, as I had already put in time, I had developed a rake file-based test system. So a rake file is like a make file, but you write it in Ruby. And I am... A, I, I'm, not a, so much a fan of the ruby language per se but in terms of like writing automated shell scripts and stuff like that you are a crazy person if you're writing that in bash and maybe that <laughs> probably get us a mail um <laughs> and ruby is really the same way to write like unix shell scripty type stuff where you like do this do this do this it's not super optimized for that um in particular like how you shell out in the and what, how you get like exit codes, and and whether it prints out to standard out on your path or not, like this is actually tricky. I I basically maintain an eagle filer note that's a cheat sheet for me that always I know, always forget what call I need to make to actually make it do the right thing. But um, it so this rake file because this is this was actually before xcode had uh, unit tests built in, so I basically wrote my own system. And what was great about it is that it could simultaneously test both. Um, manual reference counting and ARC code uh, on the same go, and then when Objective C literal support was added to Mo that was easy to add on as well. And the good thing is that it survived many, you know, a few versions of Xcode without breaking, because <laughs> which is you know Xcode loves to break the unit testing infrastructure like every other release. It's like the it's like the Star Trek movies, right? Yeah. Every other. Every, what, is it the odd Star Trek movies that they have to destroy the Enterprise? It's like <laughs> it's like they, every other release of Xcode they have to destroy unit testing. But uh, so I, I had this nice rake file thing going, and so Daniel Tall gave me this patch that actually uh, that implemented order relationships, and it didn't pass my test. Like I added you know I added the code to test order relationships and it and it broke. And then Richard Buckle, a while later, like a year later, actually pointed out, "Hey guys, maybe we should actually read the docs here." Which, to my defense, I think maybe these docs sure. did not exist. <laughs> did not exist when I first was looking into this. Uh, and it says, according to Apple's key-value, uh, I'm quoting him here. According to Apple's key-value coding programming guide for order relationships, we should not declare the methods in the form of add key object and remove key object, but in the form of insert object in key uh, add index okay. remove object from key add index, and blah blah blah. And so Joshua Green ended up uh, giving me a patch that actually uh, did this thing the right way, which is, again, the great thing about open source projects is that people do this digging for you. And even though I tried before, like I I hit a wall on this and continue digging, but these guys did. And what was sad about this is that, so I tried Joshua Green's patch and it failed. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't know what's wrong. It's still not working. But on a hunch... I created a new Xcode project and did the bare minimum to try to get it working, and it works. So there's something weird about my rake file test thing that (laughs) it breaks only on that, which is, you know, totally destroys the purpose, right? Is that this is meant to add these features and make sure that they pass, and now I... I know that this feature works in a real app, but for some reason my test thing, I, it doesn't work. I almost wonder if it's because it is a, like a binary tool instead of a .app, and maybe that's something going on. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I, I need to dig into it, but I didn't want to hold up the real anymore, so I just like blindly ship this. And not blindly, I know it works in real apps, but my test directory is not working. A uh, big big part of this, is, so the rake file thing was kind of a hold up, like me trying to figure it out, but I decided I'm not going to figure it out, I'm just going to ship which is really usually a bad scenario in almost every other case. But I think that it was the right call this time because I've already been holding up way too long. And Swift support is still experimental. So I added Swift support in uh, eight And But Swift is at 1.0. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, and so the weird thing is that essentially, if, from what I can tell in my testing, is that um, fundamental... Basic stuff in Core Data doesn't work with Swift on ten point nine. So <laughs> that is, if you have a two-on relationship, <laughs> that won't work. Um, so I, that, fortunately, that we there is basically a workaround, and it looks like it's fixed in ten ten. I have not determined whether it's fixed in iOS eight yet, or whether the issue exists at all in iOS seven. I don't. Now that I think about, it, can you write Swift iOS apps the target iOS seven? Do you know?
0: I. I don't know directly. My impression is that you probably can because they're they're including the Swift library in your app. Good and point. Yeah. Some of some of that is for I think backwards compatibility reasons.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay, so I'll have to test that out. It's probably a broken iOS seven too. But anyway, so at this point, it was I still mark it experimental. But basically, we just kind of need to re- wait for iOS eight to settle down and ten ten to settle down. And then I can decide on whether to include the workaround code and how the workaround code should work, whether it should be, like, an, a pound if uh, based on SDK or what I'm leaning towards now is actually a dynamic feature test to see if the the workaround code needs to be invoked. But anyway, so um, so I also did this thing where I even, like, after I decided to, to give up on the branch where I was, I dismantled the code to make it more modular, and that was... That was less monolithic, and that was a fool's errand. I also did a one two eight branch, a one point two eight branch, and that was a mistake too because I got a bunch of patches on the master branch while I was working on one point two eight, and those were hard to merge so now i'm just living the master lifestyle where everything's on master all the time, and man, life's so much easier now <laughs> and so i I'm hoping now that with some of this behind us um I'm able to make much more frequent releases. I do expect uh, MotoGener 129 to to be not too far away because basically as I was in the throes of releasing, Apple called Swift 1.0 and dropped iOS 8 uh, GM. So it's it's, it's definitely, uh, especially because Swift support, especially with a workaround that may or may not be needed, it needs to be a little bit more locked down. So that should be coming up pretty soon. And in terms of like... Other things I'd like to do, maybe even not for 129, but maybe for 130, is – so mode generator is old. It's uh, targeting 10.4. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of cruft in there. Like, first off, it's a manner reference counting, which isn't bad in itself. But um, it uses things like – this is – I wrote it before Objective-C had the four, uh, a collection four, whatever we're calling it, fast enumeration four, F-O-R. Uh, so, I have like my n s enumerate you know pound define c macro that basically does the same thing for old style thing, and then like don't no want use that and it 's just weird, especially when now that we have this better fast enumeration thing, so I need to migrate some of the code off there um and also so the t- the testing infrastructure needs a rev uh, especially with swift I want. So the rake file itself is a fairly good infrastructure for pulling this stuff off, for being able to be able to handle uh, manual reference counting, objective C, arc objective to C, uh, with or without literals, and Swift simultaneously. You know, basically that's kind of building up that t- testing matrix of all possible permuta- permutations. But um, it's I. Th- Right now, I kind of have this. Uh, I have this test model that tests a bunch of things, and the problem is, I find it's not fine-grained enough. So, and I'm kind of adding things to it willy-nilly as pull requests come in, and the naming on the entities of what features need to be test need to be tested uh, needs to be a lot better. So that unfortunately looks like a few days of effort to pull off. And until recently, I haven't had any, but um, that is. And that is definitely would help a lot in terms of uh, me being more confident, especially the Swift stuff, because I'm not using it for real-world purposes yet. It will be very important for me to be able to accept people's pull requests for new Swift code in ways that I know that actually all the tests pass, and including the workarounds I probably, probably have to put in. And that does it for me. Well, wow, 15 minutes. I have a lot <laughs> to say.
0: <laughs> well, I would tend to say that... Um putting a lot of extra effort into different variations of Objective-C stuff might not be the best use of your time, like trying to make your infrastructure such that it can handle all these different ways of doing things in Objective-C. I mean, Swift is going to be the way forward. So you may be able to simplify things just by eventually saying, you know, I'm going to sunset more of these options sooner than I might have otherwise.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Right now, actually, I want MoGener to be be able to be run on 10.6 systems. But And that's one of the reasons why it had, like, the old code in it. But yeah. now, like, in will this, it would be 10.10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All
0: righty. So this week, I'm going to talk about ARC debugging. Okay. Which is sort of like ARC welding, except not really.
1: Um, <laughs> except it sounds less fun. It sounds like, yes, well, welding. Mm-hmm. Um, so
0: in theory, once you get to ARC, and we were all probably working on ARC, now, days, except those people on oh, Generator who are still using
1: <laughs> Slackers.
0: You know, all the allocations are always just going to be handled automatically for you, so you don't need to think about it anymore. You certainly don't need to debug it. Well, sometimes you do. Now, we talked about Arc itself in Episode 9, way back in Episode 9. I talked about debugging in Episode 62. And what you had said about Arc was you had made the point that I have made repeatedly to other people since then that I mean, well, my way of phrasing it is it feels like a hack because it's taking data out of the runtime and putting it in, I think you called it kind of an arbitrary stream of your change and releases in the app. Mm -hmm. And so it's going backwards when you would think that you would want to go forwards with more metadata and more control over what's going on at runtime. Mm -hmm. I've actually heard a bunch of people, you know, argue with me about that. and say, well, what's the problem with it? How can this go wrong? This isn't, you know, this isn't something I need to worry about. Well, sometimes you do. Now, my scenario was it was an ARC application, and it was leaking a significant amount of memory, about five megabytes per per week. So it's not something that you could just let go. Mm -hmm. Now, the good news is, is there's an instrument for that. There's the allocations instrument, and you can start it from within Xcode using command I. It's actually quite simple. In Xcode 5, I haven't used it in Xcode 6 yet. I'm assuming they didn't break it. Maybe that's a bad assumption. You can go to either the device or the simulator. Now, the simulator is useful in this case because you can simulate memory warnings at will. Very, very handy. And when you go with the allocations uh, instrument or, or template, whatever it is, you actually get mm-hmm. two instruments. You get the allocations instrument and the VM tracker. I always use allocations. Now, I generally have to stop it immediately and <laughs> by clicking the little I in the, in the instrument uh, panel because I need to change it so that it, it records reference counts. Mm. And that's, I could probably find a way to set that up by default, but I haven't yet. Now think about that. The option is record reference counts. Mm-hmm. So people who are saying, Oh, don't even think about retain release. You know, just think of it as references. This is counting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is exactly what retain release was. Now, it's there for a reason. It's because it is still retained release under the hood. Mm -hmm. They've just added a layer on top of it. So when you want to get under the hood and see what's going on, you have to think about retained releases yourself. Now, the particular thing that was leaking for me was in a section called CG raster data. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it makes sense that data can get fairly large. Right. Right. It was, it was for an image and that was created using CG context draw image. Mm -hmm. It's a, a C function. And so that was where Instruments said, hey, here's where it's getting allocated and then never getting released. Now, the trouble with this was that there were no other retains and releases on that data. (laughs) And in fact, that data was not a pointer that I knew about anywhere in my code. Mm. So, So Instruments was telling me, hey, here's this pointer. I couldn't log that pointer. So I knew because of my code that it was actually being used from within a UI image instance, but I couldn't make that connection myself directly. Now, what I wound up doing, the, it turns out the easiest way in instruments to say, well, I only want these images instead of those images when it, you're in control of creating the image, mm-hmm. is creating a subclass. Hmm, because okay. then yeah. that subclass shows up as a separate line in the list of things that are created in instruments. Let's work so I did that. So I found that image. And it was, you know, actually it was only getting a few retained releases itself. It was always being retained by a UI image view. (laughs) Okay. And so there were lots of UI image views and I had to find exactly Uh the ones that were being used. And so I had to, I had to track down the cases where that was Uh to figure it out. And then I could make those subclasses. Right. And so I would always know which ones of those were being hanging around. Those were hanging around past their super view going away. Hmm. And that kind of stumped me because what you right. get, and as I said, what you get is all these retained and releases uh, mm-hmm. listed. Now, Instruments tries to put them together for you. Mm-hmm. So it tries to say, well, this retain is matched with this release. So, you know, okay, those are, those are paired. You can throw those away. But it's only doing that through its own kind of simple algorithm. And it, it can't figure it out if, say, the retain is in one section of the code and the release is all the way over here in another section of the code. It can't figure that out for you. So you have to kind of try to figure it out for yourself. And what I wound up doing was just doing it kind of by smell. I said, well, these ones seem okay, and this one seems okay, and this one seems okay. The trouble is doing it by smell like that. Well, they all seemed okay. Hmm. Now, what's the most likely way to get a retained cycle in an, in an ARC app? Wolf, what's, in your experience, where have you hmm. seen the most? I don't,
1: I don't know. I I Maybe I've just been doing too much MRC code. Oh, really? But You're no, doing it's actually in not, blocks. no. I've done, actually written a bunch of Arc stuff, but I guess that particularly hasn't been me yet. But what what it, so what, what what don't I know? Blocks because oh, it's so, oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. it's okay, so yeah, I guess easy. I've not been by that. Yes, I don't know why yeah, I haven't yeah. done that.
0: It, when blocks, it's so easy to get circular retain counts because mm-hmm. blocks uh, by default pull in everything. as as strong references to them when you make them. So you have a block, you're passing it along to somewhere else as a as a callback mechanism. If they hang on to it and and hang on to the object which is trying to, you know, itself pointing to the to the thing that's doing the callback, then you know, then you're not gonna go away. Now in the code that I was working on there are actually a bunch of different blocks that held references to things that if they hung around would be leaks. But that's the thing, a lot of times you want blocks to have references back to your objects because they're meant to be short-term, they're meant to hold the thing around so that they can talk to it again when you're mm-hmm. done. Every, Virtually every network operation that uses blocks uses them in that fashion. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily want to, to have them have weak references to mm-hmm. things because you want them to die. If they're not dying, something else is wrong. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the blocks that I was looking at. Well, no, that one should be fine. That one should be fine. That one should that also should be fine. So the the thing, and actually, I guess it's good that we're going a little uh, going a little uh, a little shorter here. It it did in fact turn out that it was a block that was pulling in a pointer to its its parent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now you can turn on build warnings about that. Um, I think they they might be on by default at this point. So why wasn't my code telling me that that was a, a problem?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wolf, do you think that was because the, the warning was turned off?
1: <laughs> no, no, that'd be way too obvious. That'd be asking, that'd be like, way is too your obvious. computer right. plugged in?
0: Right. What had actually happened in the code was that they had used a Clang pragma to ignore it. Mm. Uh, pragma-clang-diagnostic-ignored, quotes, dash-w arc-retained cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Why would you ever, ever, ever do that? And that was that was it. Yeah, There was actually a self in there, which is, you know, th- mm-hmm. you'll get a warning about that normally. And in fact, I think it was copied code from like old AF networking stuff.
1: <sighs> I'm not surprised.
0: And it was just, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it took me a long time to track down because I had to keep going through these you know, saying, okay, this has a retain here. Okay, find the object does that. Look at these rings retain. Look at the object does that. These retains. Mm-hmm. Now, if we had garbage collection, from what <laughs> I remember, the way that it told you about these things was that it said, this is being held onto by this root and mm-hmm. through these other references. Now, the mm-hmm. actual roots were up as static references of, of some some sort. So, huge trades of references.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, it seems from today's perspective my having just debugged this, that that would be easier because then you'd actually know what's involved. You wouldn't have to go find it. But I actually did a lot of debugging back in the day. Now, this was before Mm -hmm. GC was actually released or in the first couple versions when it was pretty buggy. So maybe it's because I was working on the beta or maybe it was because it was, you know, it's a system that did try to combine arbitrary C-pointers with this GC system, which was never a great idea. Mm -hmm. But what I remember emotionally was it didn't feel easier. It felt like Mm. it was still really difficult. So maybe I'm minimizing, you know, the the amount of tracing you had to do to get through all these references to things. Maybe it was that actually uh, instruments didn't quite have all of these 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 ways to do it. I did a lot of command line stuff back in the day Mm -hmm. to do it that way. Sure, but I don't remember it being a lot easier. But still, when you do run into these problems, the, the tools only help you so much, and the tools do help me a lot. I didn't have to go into the command line, which I did like, but I still wish I wish it were easier. And I, you know, I would still hold true to that—that that I think it is something that we need to do better than this in the long run.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I guess we'll see. Yeah. Any thoughts? Hopefully.
1: Um, yeah, I've, I, I like, I, I agree with your theory that in theory, that it, with GC, we do have more runtime information instead of those integers for incrementing, decrementing, and we're hopefully that that represents what the program should actually actually be. Uh, on the other hand, um, I didn't do. I don't think I actually wrote any GC code. Oh, I, t- I take it back. I think X mode, the mode generator plugin. I think I had to at least oh, yeah. say it was <clears throat> GC, just so mm-hmm. it would be loaded by Xcode. But yeah, I, I actually never wrote a GC Mac app, so um, <laughs> that's all theory yeah. to me.
0: Be uh, be be happy about that. Um, <laughs> the last thing before we go is with the weak references were considered to be full retains as far as instruments goes. So it was actually even harder to do the math because I had to find that one thing that was retaining it for too long, but that Mm. would have made a bunch of weak references disappear. So Mm. you couldn't even say, well, I only have one reference left," because you might have three, but you didn't know if they were real or not.
1: Oh, okay. Made it a
0: little more complicated.
1: Yeah.
0: That's it for me. So we'll see you next time.